You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Hello and welcome to you episode really number 177 <laughs> of the Plane Talking UK podcast. <laughs> Would you believe it? We started on time. It's 7pm yeah, on Friday the uh, 11th of August and uh, joining me are my two amazing co-hosts, uh, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Oh, well, hello there. Yes, we actually started on time, everyone, which means obviously that at some point during the show, something will go horribly wrong, I'm almost guaranteed. But uh, yes, yes, wow. We, that, we, yeah. Honestly, I watched I watched the countdown timer, Matt, and yep. it, the minute okay. it went yep. 7 o'clock, yep. the music yep. started. All right, you can stop tempting fate now. Anyway, uh, Nev, do you have anything to say on the matter? I'm just surprised we, we, we have started on time. Yeah, well, as I say, anything could happen. There is plenty that can go wrong. Oh, the know. chat room's gone mental. I know, uh, absolutely. They can't believe it. But everyone's like, oh, this, this can't be right. No, no, indeed. <laughs> this must be wrong. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, so, so let's not spoil it. No, yeah. I know. So welcome to episode number 177 of this show, and a massive welcome to everyone who's joined us in the chat room on YouTube tonight. Loads of names in there to mention. Jeff Braithwaite, we've got Liz Piper's in the chat room. Masha's in the chat room. Philip Davis, and uh, we've got Airshow World. Uh, our main man, Micah, the blue ah, spanner of death, yes, is in there. Yes. Mariana, and uh, we've got, let me scroll down, we've got uh, Tony S. Mm-hmm. Barbara Parrish, uh, Jennifer, Jen Niffer is in the chat room oh, as well. Oh, the lovely Jen. I know. And Amir Patel, good evening to you as well. Very and exciting. Uh, yeah, it's all very exciting, you right. know. It's we just, started on time. We started on time, believe. everything is just... Right. <laughs> so we've so, got... Yeah, a little bit of housekeeping, obviously, because it a is little bit uh, of housekeeping. 7 p.m. It is the 11th of August, 2017. And uh, yes, it's, uh, it is literally just gone 7 o'clock. I can't believe it. So we've got loads of stuff to get through in the show. Would Tons you? of good news stories. And we've got a brilliant segment, again, from Nev. Uh, on the passenger experience where this week he's talking to Brian Coleman. Never heard of him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we've also got our third interview from uh, the Royal International Air Tattoo Aria Fairford. I think that's our penultimate one, isn't it, sadly? Yes, it is penultimate. One more to go, yeah, but we've got uh, that to play out as well. We've also got a little bit of feedback uh, from uh, a listener as well, Glenn Towler as well. absolutely, and also some from Jenny Jenny in Rome as well. in Rome, yeah, as well. And uh, yeah, so Nev, if you want to start things off with uh, a bit of housekeeping for uh, for today. Oh yes, of course. And the uh, the most important thing, which is w- what keeps the whole thing running, is the uh, the Patreon. So uh, thank you very much for your generous contributions. And uh, these are from Adrian Meacham, Captain Jeff, Doctor Steph, Stuart Black, Jeff Newman, Liz Piper, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer. Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Moller, Philip Labe, Captain L, Matthew Buntingframe, Myler, Ryan Harper, Jenny Parkinson, Stuart Backer, and Ray Williams. Thank you very much indeed for your superb contributions. Yes, uh, very much. Thank you very much. It does, yes. it does keep the things ticking over very, very nicely. So thank you very much for all your financial support. Um, but uh, as I say, if you want to uh, do exactly that, if you'd like to contribute towards the show, then take yourself to www.patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N dot 
www.ghostbusters.com and uh, a dollar is is absolutely fine anything mm. that you can afford to contribute would be greatly appreciated as I say it helps us do all the amazing things that we've been doing by doing outside broadcasts in the middle of air shows and all that so really really appreciate it and guess what we have actually got a new t-shirt wearer have we yeah yeah we've got a new t-shirt wearer. so yeah because well our new t-shirt wearer is jonathan warner okay yes yeah. he's uh, yeah. he's finally got he's bagged himself a t-shirt right so uh, we we <laughs> i did have a picture actually what uh, jonathan sent me i should have sent that to you, you probably should have done yes but, yes but uh, there yeah. we are never mind we, but if you want to uh, share it with the world but never if you want to bag yourself <laughs> one of our ptuk t-shirts if you just go over to uh, playingtalkinguk.com and click on store and there is uh, an amazing picture of uh, uh, Mr. Caton uh, displaying one of our T-shirts, and uh, these are 100% cotton T-shirts with an embroidered front logo and print on the back, and uh, they come in uh, small, medium, large, and extra large. Ooh. So uh, grab yourself one of those T-shirts, and uh, yeah, I can I'll post it off to you uh, as quickly as I can. And I can say that absolutely that the quality is superb of those uh, T-shirts. So uh, very good choice of manufacturer there, lads. Very nicely done. <laughs> yes, we've yes. done. A, we did a bit of research. We, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We kept the business local. Yes, local, local yes, supply. Yeah, just local a from us, actually. Yeah. They're made here in Bungie. Mm. In Bungie, yes, yeah. yes. Nice. So I suppose we better kick off the show then and yep. start things as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. And if you're ready, Nev. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Kicking off this week's first news story then on the Telegraph business and uh, the headline delayed at Heathrow or Gatwick, this airline will offer you a free flight. Ooh, yes, I did that's mean that. brave. <laughs> so Stobart or Stobart Air Stobart. is uh, set Stobart. to fly. Stobart. Oh dear, that's like I say, it's suddenly it's a bit the like whole the Qatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so Stobart Air, and uh, for those of you who live in the UK, will know that Stobart is a huge haulier of uh, of lorry haulier here in the UK. But he's also got his own airline, uh, and they're set to fly up to a thousand passengers free of charge to three UK cities as part of an offer by Southend Airport uh, if passengers can show that they were delayed at Heathrow or Gatwick. The airline's parent company, Stobart Aviation, which owns the Essex Airport, recently took on two aircraft from rival Flybe under a 20-month lease and is now putting these air to, uh, to use as part of this deal. Free return tickets are being offered to Manchester, Glasgow and Dublin. Oh, there we go, Matt. That's one for you. Right, uh, to passengers who've suffered delay of 30 30 minutes or more to one of those destinations from rival airports Heathrow and Gatwick. So from August the 14th, Southend Airport are going to give the free tickets to the first 1,000 passengers who contact them with proof of their delay with travellers able to take flights from October the 29th. The offer comes as data from the Civil Aviation Authority showed in the first five months of 2017 more than 11 million passengers were delayed travelling from Heathrow and Gatwick. So Southend sees 1.2 million passengers through its doors each year, 
has the capacity to accommodate 10 million. Airport passengers are particularly uh, badly hit in recent months with BA's uh, system meltdown during the May bank holiday, grounding tens of thousands of travellers. A problem with the airline's check-in system earlier this month also caused delays. Glyn Jones, chief executive of Stobart Aviation, said that while rival airports Heathrow and Gowick kept celebrating rising passenger numbers, this made for a bad travel experience for tens of thousands of passengers every day now, the offer is going to run until september the 30th so there we go so for anyone who's in the uk who's um, flown out of uh, uh, gatwick or heathrow uh, with uh, with flyby you're gonna be able to get yourself a, a free flight i mean mm. that's pretty much unheard of i wonder whether you're at the, the there's any fees at all in in the free flight don't know or whether that includes your bag i suppose it would include your bag, <laughs> it might do yeah but uh london south end airport is not an airport i've flown from but it's it's supposed to be quite a nice airport to, to uh, go through never i'd take it you've uh, never been or no i haven't and um <clears throat> the, the, it's used for diversions quite a lot because London City Airport has got a curfew. I think there's a, a landing um, end time where you can't land uh, after a certain time. And when that happens, they uh, stick them into South End. Uh, but actually, South End on its own has been a very good, um, very good charter uh, flight uh, airport by the sounds of things. Not, not so much for scheduled, but uh, certainly good holiday uh, airport. Yeah, I, it's not one I've ever tried personally, so it's uh, it, it's a funny one. I think EasyJet are doing a lot of flights out, out of uh, Southend, don't they? The Flyby, mm. I know Flyby do. Yeah. They fly out there with the Dash 8Q400 yeah. um, because you can hear them about 20 miles away <laughs> from here <laughs> flying over because they're so Fair noisy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's supposed to... It's, I mean, Southend, it's how far is that from us, Matt? That's not hugely far from here, is it, I don't think. Mm. It's further than you think. Is it, it is further than oh, okay. you think. It's sort of what I call the London end of Essex. So, But is London South End Airport? Well, of course it is. Absolutely. <laughs> In the same way that it's London Luton. Uh, <laughs> It'll be London Norwich next year. Yes, oh, we live in Hope. Yes. Yeah, we live in yes. Hope. Yes. Yeah. London Absolute Norwich yeah. Airport. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to the next story. Matt, uh, this one is... Uh, is this is a bit of a worrying one, I do believe. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this story, really, and I'm always very sceptical about anything that appears in the Daily Mail. I know you said you'd seen it on a couple of other news Yeah, this has actually, been on quite but, a few um, of the big, uh, big channels, yeah. But I hope this isn't true. Anyway, so this the story I'm taking this from is on the, the Mail Online, obviously, which is a quality newspaper. Not. Uh, Ryanair threatens stewards who don't hit sales targets by flogging enough extra products to passengers. So Ryanair is threatening to punish cabin crew if they fail to flog enough products to passengers during flights it has been reported a company memo is believed to have said that staff must sell every day one perfume one meal deal and one item of fresh food and eight scratch scratch cards per crew member not reaching their targets daily uh, not reaching their targets daily will will be met with by their so, sorry, that's really bad English. By the, no, not reaching their targets daily will be met with by their supu- supervisor and further action taken, it read, adding that the sale will be closely monitored. Uh, a further notice sent to staff in Barcelona said uh, to have um, the worst sales record said that underperforming staff will be moved, the Mirror reported. So there's the Daily Mail rep- reporting on something that the Mirror wrote. Great. Uh, one employee told the website that they are worried about the situation, saying cabin crew staff are always afraid and they that they will be demoted. When you are at the bottom 
of the monthly sales chart you receive a letter asking you to improve your performance or they will reconsider your position but Ryanair which announced annual profits of 1.1 billion pounds said that there is no pressure on crew crew are insensitized sorry incentivized to sell ancillary products on board and are rewarded with sales bonuses so I'm not sure really what to make about this story I mean Tony makes a good point in the chat room yeah they're there for safety not to sell yeah this is this rubbish is <laughs> well, we know uh, somebody, don't we, uh, Owen, who works for a very similar airline to mm. uh, to that to, the, to Ryanair, and yeah. mm. uh, from what he was saying the other day, uh, they are under quite a lot of pressure to uh, to sell stuff yeah. on board. Yeah. Some of these flights aren't hugely long, you no, know, and you know that they, they have got a job to do. But if you're trying to push I, perfume I, and watches and I scratch know, I mean, cards I, in I, people's faces um, i guess all these people have have contracts that have been beautifully tied up beautifully but it, it must be fairly difficult to I, I, if your if your role there is as cabin crew and it's recognized as as you know a reason to ensure that safety is paramount type thing um mm. but all I, I, I would argue perhaps it's very difficult to dismiss someone based on poor sales unless they are employed no, as salesmen bad. um but um I don't know. Um, it's a, it's a subject matter that uh, I don't I, think any of us. This story is just it's just really annoyed me because I, I mean all the flights I've been on and a yeah. lot of them have been with Ryanair, and I can honestly count the amount of people that I've seen buy perfume and stuff yeah. on them flights on one hand, and I'd yeah. still have fingers left. Oh, so one person actually did hit their targets then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've never seen a ma- you know years ago. If you go back hard to yeah. the days of old when they used to have airlines like British Caledonian and yeah. and Britannia and the old sort of the old school British Island Airways and the old old airlines and stuff. You know, duty free was a big thing back then. And yeah. as soon as the cart came down the aisle, everyone was buying perfume, cigarettes, yeah. cigars, and and uh, toys and models and stuff like that but then to be fair when i've been when i've when i've been sort of wandering around and things i've quite often noticed that actually the products that you're buying on the ryanair if you are after perfume and things like that all jokes aside it's so much cheaper even than Mm -hmm. the than the airport's own duty free uh, certain products like sort of the, the aftershave. I mean, I've quite often bought aftershave actually on the aeroplane because it's a lot cheaper on the aeroplane than it is even in in the in that own airport's duty free. So, I don't know. It's just a shame. But if it's a really short flight, you've only got forty minutes to do a meal service and all that kind of thing. Mm. I mean, I, I suppose you could credit. argue in most cases perhaps that they're doing, you know, probably at least two, if not four sectors a day. Um, so you know, hopefully you're going to sell at least one meal deal to. <laughs> so what have you found? Mariana in the chat room has said that uh, if Owen was selling items, all the ladies would buy at least one well, item. That is true. That is true. <laughs> of course, it helps if you're around. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Oh, very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Actually, Liz has said that she read a big article recently about the sales targets on mm. cruise ships um, with big pressure to sell, yeah. sell, sell. So. Oh, we see. Now, Liz is being very PC issues because I think some of the lads would be happy to buy from Owen, too. Now, <laughs> 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 now. That's very diverse. Well, well done, everyone. Well done, yes. everyone. <laughs> so, moving on to the next story, Nev, uh, just for you. It's the- it's the third story, so it must be a BA story, and Yay! it is. And uh, <laughs> There's a this shot. is from yeah. <laughs> TravelWeekly.com, and it says that the world's largest commercial passenger aircraft will fly for the first time uh, regularly out of Chicago ahead 
O'Hare beginning next May. British Airways will use an Airbus A380 for one daily flight between Chicago and London Heathrow, and the A380 will replace a Boeing 747 on that flight, thereby expanding the capacity by 20%. The aircraft seats up to 469 passengers, divided between first class, business class, premium economy and coach. The British Airways guys will continue to use a 747 on the other daily trip between O'Hare and Heathrow. British Airways joint venture partner American Airlines also flies that route four times daily. And other U.S. airports that have the 380 service are Kennedy, Boston, Washington, Dulles, Atlanta, Miami, Houston, uh, George Bush. Houston, that was very Norfolk. (laughs) And um, Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, But that's all very interesting. I wonder what route they have stolen it from, because they've not taken any new deliveries of any Mm. other 380s, as far as I'm aware. So that's uh, been pulled off another route from somewhere. I wonder which one Is that an airport you've flown into, Nev, Chicago O'Hare? It is, yes. It is uh, very chaotic, I have to say. Um, but uh, considering such a huge airport, it's uh, it's pretty well organised, uh, I've got to say. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, it's all about really maximising the capacity because obviously mm. that's, a, that's a very popular route, I would imagine. So they could probably fill those seats without too much trouble. I saw some pictures online earlier this week of BA's um, business class um, suites and that on the 380 and they do look really nice I have to say mm, yeah yeah absolutely um, so uh, but uh, no so that's, uh, that's good news good news mm. to see that yeah Indeed. so the next story is on the uh, New York Post nypost.com and uh, the uh, this is a rather interesting story I must say uh, the headline Boeing wants to fly their planes like geese to save fuel like like in a pack yeah. So what? Boeing is looking uh, to their partners in flight to attempt to save on fuel. Flying planes in the same V formation that geese use when they migrate has the potential to save between 10 and 15% on fuel bills. Uh, the technique known as wake surfing uses uh, energy from the lead plane to give the trailing planes extra lift, allowing them to use less fuel. Think of a car dra- uh, drafting a truck or one bike rider drafting another, Mike Sinnott's Boeing Vice President for Product Development told Bloomsburg. It essentially allows you to, uh, as it uh, allows you if you are flying in the right spot to reduce your fuel burn, but you've got to be there for a long time. For most airlines, the cost of fuel is their biggest or second biggest expense. Boeing has been studying the wake surfing in an uh, effort to save money and increase efficiency without the high cost of new technology or cockpit overhauls. The Chicago-based company has also been researching the effectiveness of glider-like wings placed beneath the plane to help burn less fuel. Since the company hasn't completed the study, they can't estimate the exact amount of savings the wake surfing could provide, but two previous studies, one involving a Boeing C-17 military transport aircraft and another that used F-18 fighters, showed the savings to fall between 10 and 15 percent. We have the technology today, Kurt Hansen, a senior flight controls researcher at NASA, told Bloomberg. This will be interesting to see. You'd have to sort of tie in all the flights at the same time. We've got four planes going to the states you've got a flying a v formation if, if this story is true and i'll be honest with you i i do wonder if this story is true 
I, 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 <laughs> there are just so many variables that could go wrong in something like that. Ooh, you know, a bit of weather, for example. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing like a bit of weather to spice things up, is there? Right? I, I was kind of thinking about the, the whole wake turbulence thing. You know, if, but this got, is um, it. This is the bizarre <laughs> thing, isn't it? If yeah. you're in a seven three seven trailing an A three eighty, that that might be a bit of a um, bumpy ride. I think. Well, this is true. In fact, actually, I, what, what I was talking about Boeing, I noticed uh, on the old Twitter feed here, we've got several uh, several people who, who follow us who have also been looking at the uh, the Boeing airplanes um, uh, uh, Twitter page. It's at 1500 and counting, celebrating the most popular twin aisle airplane of all time, oh, the, the Boeing 777. Mm. Indeed. I was trying to bring the video up, but I ran out of time. <laughs> Mike has said that do you know that when you see a flight of geese there are always one side of the V that's longer than the other oh really and I know I don't know why no, no okay well that uh, <laughs> there we are it's uh, it's, uh I mean it is flight of sorts it's maybe not you know aviation per se but uh. yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the next story uh it's another low-cost carrier story for you Matt indeed yes this is on the independent website and uh the headline is easyJet to release album of engine well, really uh, <laughs> oh no easyJet to release album of engine sounds to help people get to sleep <laughs> i love this story carry on man i don't know if i want to <laughs> right okay so this is like, real this is, as well this, this is, is on the independent I, so it's not I like you know the daily looked, mash or something this is actually true matt and well, I, is it available you, on itunes is amazon it? what <laughs> oh no <laughs> you're having a giraffe and i'm, I'm gonna buy it <laughs> Yeah, you are, and all you're that sad. <laughs> Airline will donate pre-suits to children's sleep charity. Budget airline EasyJet has announced plans to move into the music industry with the release of a single and album comprised entirely of engine noise. Jet sounds will be available to buy tomorrow, and the company say they hope listening to tracks will help people get to sleep. Experts believe that listening to white noise could have sleep-inducing effects. Recent research has found that the, the uh, monotonous hum allows the brain to block out sleep interruptions by displacing background noise and muffling sounds such as traffic, snoring and barking dogs, which can cause people to wake up. Uh, recordings of white noise have also been used to calm babies and help people focus when studying. Recent research by the Sleep Council revealed that 22% of adults in the UK sleep badly every night. Sleep expert Dr Sandra L Wheatley consulted on production of the record. She said the soft, repetitive, ambient drone of white noise can drown out sounds, gently settle the brain and aid on the first onset of sleep <laughs> there is also strong evidence that it can dampen out disruptive noises that can disturb our slumber the low throb of a powerful jet engine is this now this sounds like a porn movie <laughs> what's going on here hello what, what, what have you got up in front of you there sir what's that there <laughs> It says, kill me now, or right. I'll do it myself. <laughs> okay, right, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, no, well, well played. Uh, yes, I'm not going to carry on reading that story. That That is just bizarre. I mean, so you, well, I mean, you're buying it probably for very different reasons to everyone else. Now, there is actually a sample. I'm going to see if I can get this sample to play, so apologies if it doesn't work, but um, there we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, yes, that's one of my favourites, that one. Yeah, is it? Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, it's um. There we go. Look, it's, it's it's even it's even got a video look to it. There we go. Look, winning. 
That's the Neo as well. That's the uh, the uh, NEO, NEO. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm literally I'm literally pulling the air out on this. What is it really? Do you think it works? It's going to work though. I mean, seriously. And the, these are on Amazon. I will say they that. are on Amazon you now. You can aren't go they? on Amazon and buy <laughs> from the album Jet wow. Sounds. I'd be interested to see, bearing in mind how YouTube works with its copyright recognition and stuff, I wonder how it would specifically identify this noise as an album belonging to someone else. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know how well, that would I've work. I've got my Christmas present sorted out now. So well, this is true, yeah. Oh, no, 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 Nev, I was, that's what I was going to get you. Oh. You're just no fun, are you? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, Carlos has nodded off. <laughs> That's just because I'm talking, though. It's got nothing to do with the album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that, you can actually go on, on Amazon and buy that. It's just uh, it's bizarre. It is honestly bizarre. I mean, uh, I, mean, I, mean I, I can see why, that, that, that you know, because, you know, I mean, actually, it's like I have the television on when I go to sleep because, <laughs> you know, like just putting on something innately in the background helps oh. you to not, to sort of, you know, it just helps me to to nod off in the same way. Like people put the radio on, don't they, when they go to go to sleep and stuff? But I don't know. But you I see, know. I can't. I can never fall asleep on an aeroplane, so it, it don't work for me. I mean, Liz Liz Piper <laughs> said that that's going to be a top ten hit. So I mean, is it? Watch right? watch this space. <laughs> Hello, Owen. Owen's joined us in the chat. Oh, Hello, Owen. Hello. Hello. Well, uh, so moving on. <laughs> yeah, he's probably asleep now because he's been listening to I the... Uh, Wake to up, the, Nev. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to the next story. <laughs> Nev, this one's for you. I think this is the first serious story we've had tonight. What? <laughs> what? That's it. I quit. <laughs> uh, this is from the NASDAQ uh, website, and it says that uh, uh, Boeing secures 12 737 MAX Oi. jets, jets <laughs> orders oh, from Airlease. And uh, they finalised orders, orders for these, uh, although details of the contract have uh, not been revealed. Uh, the order was announced during the Paris Air Show, and the deal comprises an order for five 737 MAX 7s and 737 MAX 8s. It also includes two new orders for the 787-9 Dreamliner. Notably, with this order, Los Angeles, California-based Airlease Corporation's total MAX orders reaches 130, and the Dreamliner order reaches 49. As a member of the next generation 737 family, the 737-800 continues to be an extremely popular single-aisle aircraft. This is because of the advanced technology and low operation as well as maintenance costs. The new 737s will feature the new the new Boeing Sky interior, the 787 Dreamliner-inspired cabin that provides passengers a sense of space with decorative sidewalls, larger windows, LED mood lighting and larger pivot overhead stowage bins. Uh, Demands for the Boeing, uh, Boeing's commercial airplanes has been rising. Owing to a steady increase in passenger and freight traffic, this has been more strongly re- reflected in recent times with the aerospace behemoth uh, successfully w- uh, winning a huge number of commercial contracts at the Paris Air Show. In addition to the aforementioned deal, other notable contracts secured by Boeing at the air show include a commitment from the Kuwaiti-based uh, Alafco, uh, aviation lease and finance company, for 20 737 MAX 8s valued at $2.2 billion and moreover Lion Group is committed to buying 50 737 MAX 10 jets from the company for 
to four million dollars and uh, although uh, also boeing signed a mem- uh, memorandum of understanding with spicejet for 40 737 max airplanes worth 4.7 billion and another uh, memorandum of understanding worth 2.5 billion was signed with tibet financial leasing for 20 737 max airplanes again the company signed a memorandum of understanding with boa with boc aviation limited for uh, 10 737 MAX 10s uh, worth nearly $1.2 billion. Apart from this, Boeing clinched an order from AirCap for 30 787-9 Dreamliners worth $8.1 billion. And given the huge commercial demand, the uh, this aerospace behemoth is uh, expected to witness significant tra- attraction in the near term, especially in the single aisle market. And um, it seems that they, they are really going for it this time. And Bo- mm. uh, Boeing anticipates demand for 29,530 single aisle jets worth wow. 3.2 trillion pounds in the next 20 years. This projected Crazy. figure reflects a 5% increase over last year's projection. Moreover, the company expects single aisle jets to be the major driver of demand growth, comprising uh, 72% of the total commercial jet demand projection. Whilst the new 737 MAX and the 737-800 is, is likely to grab the lion's share of the new orders, Boeing's arch rival Airbus Group's um, 320neo is expected to pose significant challenges. And nevertheless, Boeing's 737 model remains one of the best-selling airplanes in the single-arm market, thanks to its fuel efficiency and passenger comfort. Therefore, to maintain its dominance in the aerospace market, the company continues to invest in research and development for upgrading and churning out upgraded versions of this existing planes so uh they seem to be doing very well with it don't they and um mm. it's but they need to because obviously uh airbus is you know is always catching up Hot with them and there's been a lot of yeah. lot of airbus orders uh recently so uh no it sounds like they've done very well isn't it? Mm. i was looking up actually i was just going to see who uh who this air lease corporation is and mm. uh their ceo nev is someone and that or someone you might uh, might have heard of uh steven udvarhazi Oh, as in uh, the place that one might go to in the Washington area. That's right, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Air Lease Corporation was founded Ah. in 2010 by uh, Stephen Udvarhazi. And uh, they've... um, yeah, they've uh, they've got quite uh, quite a nice little fleet of aircraft, by But it does it does prove a point though that the um, aircraft don't just get sold to airlines; they get sold to large leasing corporations that that then you know lease the aircraft mm. to the airlines so yeah. yeah it does say sometimes it works out a lot cheaper for airlines to lease aircraft than buy yeah. them outright brand new yeah indeed so moving on to the next story and uh, this one is on the bbc news uh, mm. website and dear uh, old auntie yeah bit, yeah bit of an interesting story this mm. this is a find that i wouldn't have mind making yes, myself I bet, yeah. so uh, the headline then is world war Two mosquito aircraft blueprints found at airbus factory so more than 20,000 technical drawings of a World War II aircraft have been found at a factory in Flintshire, or Flintshire, 
have you want to say it. Uh, blueprints, <laughs> Depends on how uh, feeding, yeah. I know. blueprints of the Mosquito were thought to have been lost but were discovered by Airbus in an office it was closing down in Broughton. The twin-engine bomber was one of the most versatile Royal Air Force aircraft to serve during the war. The find has boosted plans by a group, the People's Mosquito Project, to rebuild the bomber. Bill Ramsey, the project operations director who served in the RAF for 41 years, said the drawings weighed 67 kilos in total and were going to be thrown into a skip. It's actually probably unique in the world. It's a, a complete collection of all the drawings for every mark and modification that was ever made to the Mosquito, he told BBC Wales and the Good Morning Wales programme. You could actually build any form of Mosquito, including one that never actually flew, he said. And he also said that it would cost around £7 million to rebuild an air or one of the aircraft which was largely made from plywood and balsa with the aid of the plans. It sounds like a lot of money but what the drawings do is that they are important historically because they are unique a document and they have certain commercial values to us, he said. Technically it means that for some of the pieces of the aeroplane, the slightly more obscure ones, the Civil Aviation Authority will let us use these drawings to remanufacture them. He added that there was not nostalgia for all things old and that the rebuilding of the mosquito capable of flying would be lots or will make lots and lots of people incredibly happy which is very true i mean what an amazing find to make especially mm. for something that was going to be binned yeah absolutely you know plans of the mosquito because that was you know it's one of those aircraft that um you know wasn't talked about a huge amount in no. uh, in this kind of films and stuff but played a very very um big role in the world war Two. Yeah. so um nev what yeah, do you reckon uh, about that one that's oh, superb isn't it really really mm. nice and uh so unusual to have a, a good news story like that isn't it but mm. uh yeah that's a fantastic uh, find for, for artifacts uh, for people to look at in the future isn't it i wonder what's gonna be next so what they're gonna find next somewhere <laughs> in, well that's, that's in a shoebox somewhere in the world so moving on to the next story matt Business Insider is the headline. Uh, it's in the finance department, and the headline is Delta's replacement for the jumbo jet has finally arrived. So on Sunday, Delta Airlines took delivery of its very first next-generation Airbus A350-900 airliner. Delta's first A350 arrived at its base in Atlanta just after 2 a.m. on Sunday following a delivery flight from Airbus headquarters in Toulouse, France. Never mm. heard of it. Uh, upon <laughs> arrival, the plane was greeted by a ceremonial water cannon, not foam then. That's, that's refreshing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, salute before pulling up at the gate. The new wide-body jet is one of the 25 A350s Delta ordered back in 2014 and is the first of five, Air the F of five that Airbus will deliver to the airline this year. In May, Delta announced that it is deferring delivery of 10 A350s by at least two to three years. The Airbus A350 entered service in early 2015 with Qatar... Qatar Airways, Qatar, Qatar. Um, <laughs> and is now in operation with roughly a dozen airlines around the world. However, Delta will be the aircraft's first operator in North America. Uh, with room for 306 passengers, Delta's A350s are expected to take over many of its trans-Pacific routes, uh, currently operated by its ageing fleet of 747-400 jumbo jets. Delta's fleet of 747s, which were inherited from Northwest Airlines following their 2008 merger, has been in service an average of 26 years 
and is set to be retired at the end of the year. The A350-900 is powered by a pair of Rolls-Royce Trent XWB turbofan engines, which are each producing 84,000 pounds of thrust. The aircraft is optimised for efficient long-haul flying and boasts a range of up to 8,000 miles. Inside, the jet will have room for 32 private Delta One suites, 48 new Delta Premium Economy seats and 226 main cabin seats. All cabins will have Wi-Fi connectivity, USB charging and personal in-flight entertainment. In addition, the A350 these carbon fiber reinforced plastic fuselage allows the cabin to be pressurized to mimic conditions at 6,000 feet of altitude, allowing for a more comfortable ride. Over the next couple of months, Delta will prepare the A350s for its inaugural commercial flight from Detroit to Tokyo Narita, Narita? Narita. Narita International Airport on the 30th of October. Now, Nev, what do you think? These pictures on here on the Business Insider um, website, the Delta One um, suites they have on here, I think they look quite smart. And they've also got those d- the doors which you can actually shut to sort of, you know, to, to segregate yourself from the uh, rest of the aircraft. What do you think, Nev? Yeah, I like the sound of that very much indeed. <laughs> That's uh, always uh, isolating myself from other passengers on the plane. Um, I just like my own space and that that yeah. kind of stuff. So, no, it's a great idea. Really good. The seats yeah, look quite nice. They look quite the whole thing looks thoroughly they comfortable, do, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 It does. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a kind of Focus ST ish kind of seat i think oh okay yes <laughs> okay. i see okay. i see where you're going there <laughs> right yeah. yes okay very posh yes. very yes, posh. very on brand well done uh <laughs> <laughs> so moving on yeah. to uh, the next story then uh, nev uh, it's on the travelandleisure.com uh, website and it says america's worst airport is getting a major upgrade and frankly it needed it because uh, <laughs> i've flown through laguardia <laughs> a lot in well not not recently i have to mm. say but uh in the past, and it was a bit of a bit of a hole. I would say. But, <laughs> right, it was uh, a dramatic uh, experience. Are, yeah, <laughs> and uh, there, there's a bit of a picture. It says, "No, the image you see above is not a scene from a futuristic sci-fi summer blockbuster. It's a rendering of a pedestrian bridge inside New York City's LaGuardia Airport after the eight billion dollar renovation that's expected to be completed by 2021, with the first new gates scheduled to open next year. Located in the borough of Queens, LaGuardia is the smallest airport in the city." and the closest one to Manhattan, making it a preferred hub for business travellers. It first opened in 1939 as the New York Municipal Airport and is named after the former Mayor Fiorello Lugardia. Uh, in more recent years, it has grown to be despised by New Yorkers for its ageing infrastructure, flight delays, cramped terminals and poor dining and shopping options. LaGuardia has two short runways and depending on wind conditions, sometimes only one runway is open at a time, causing major air congestion and delayed flights. In 2016, more than 28 million passengers flew in and out of LaGuardia, uh, despite it originally being designed to accommodate only 8 million flyers per year. Last year, 29% of LaGuardia's flights were delayed, placing it last in a ranking of the largest American airports according to data from the bureau of transportation statistics uh, jd power and associates named it the worst airport in the u.s because of those delays and in 2014 vice president joe biden famously likened it to a third world country a notion <laughs> repeated <laughs> by john donald j trump during the presidential campaign uh, on uh, tuesday new york governor andrew cuomo 
uh, unveiled the latest designs for the eastern half of the airport development project a year after he broke ground on the uh, renovation for LaGuardia's western terminals. The new airport will have soaring ceilings, lots of natural light, new jetways and pedestrian bridges, and much more retail and lounge space. But by 2022, LaGuardia will also get a new air train to, to connect New York's uh, New York City's subway system and the Long Island Railroad, which has its hub in Penn Station. Below are renderings of the new terminal C and D. They're estimated to cost uh, $4 billion and are paid for by the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and Delta Airlines, which is contributing $3.4 million to the project. This is all very well, chaps and ladies, but the the problem with this is is that it still has two short runways and uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I don't know if there's, there's no talk of upgrading those and they're obviously very space limited where that is as well. And of course, it all depends on wind direction and, and what the other two New York, New York airports are doing at the time. So it, it remains to be seen how they increase the capacity here because but, it's already well having the, the infrastructure inside but if the runway system is still as it is that that could be a problem I but think. i guess if the reasons why people are, are you know naming and shaming it as the worst airport in the states if they don't do something about the inside there's no point in talking about extending runways so perhaps i suppose you've got yep. to do one thing before you can maybe even consider doing the other perhaps oh, i think you're right absolutely yeah this pipe has said in the chat room that uh, she says it's a dump and oh. she spent a lot of <laughs> unenjoyable time there okay right okay so an upgrade won't won't uh, won't be uh, apparently according to uh, brian coleman oh, no. he says it was last updated in 1936 <laughs> yeah, I, that's probably not strictly true. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, dear. Anyway, Never moving mind. on yes, um, yeah. to the next story. And this one is on the uh, Mumbrella.Asia uh, website. And, uh, well, this one's a video story, and Matt's already got this all ready to rock and roll. But uh, the headline, Has Singapore Airlines Just Produced the Most Epic In-Flight Safety Video of all time. So Singapore Airlines aims to take passengers beyond the confines of, a, of the cabin on an epic journey across the island state with its new in-flight safety video. The recently released film allows viewers to join Elizabeth Quick, an airline hostess, on a panoramic exploration across various locations in Singapore, including Boat Quay, ha Haiji Lane, Very good. Capital Theatre <laughs> and the iconic gardens of, by the bay. Having racked up more than half a million views on Facebook plus 200,000 on YouTube, the video has been used as a marketing ploy by the airline, as well as being an effective way of encouraging flyers to actually watch the safety demonstration video. So Singapore's attempt to create an in-flight video that goes beyond the usual grain follows Qatar Airways' demonstration in 2016, which featured players from Barcelona Football Club. Also, the Australian airline Qantas took the opportunity to turn its safety demonstration into a tourism ad in its 2016 video. Created by the Agency of Record, TBWA, South, uh, Singapore Airlines video stemmed from an agreement signed between the airline and Singapore Tourism Board aimed at promoting travel to Singapore. Under the partnership, Singapore and STB will jointly invest 10 million, uh, I think it was uh, do, uh, uh, the Singapore dollars, I think that's how that's it. Uh, over three years in marketing event promotion campaigns and travel technology. The partnership signed in June came at the same time as Goh Chun Fong, 
the uh, CEO of Singapore International Airlines announced that the airline would need to cut jobs after suffering a $138 million net loss in its fourth quarter. The airline has also been forced to cut ticket prices due to challenge of fiercely intense competition and recently offered its crews unpaid leave. And we covered that story last week, actually, in the show. But we have got the video, haven't we, Matt? Indeed, yes. Now, so I'm not going to play it all because it does sort of go on. It's quite on a long a bit, video. But uh, we will... We'll uh, sorry, I, I don't mean it in a horrible way, but uh, it's quite a long one. It's like five minutes and 50 seconds long. <laughs> so we won't play it all. But here's a little taster of what, uh, what you can look forward to when you fly with uh, Singapore. Welcome aboard Singapore Airlines. As the safety equipment on this aircraft may differ from that on other aircraft. Please give us your attention as we bring you through this important safety briefing and on a journey through Singapore. During takeoff and landing, ensure that your tray table is stowed away. Put the back of your seat upright and keep your shoes on. Before we take off, stow your luggage under the seat in front of you or in the overhead compartments. So, I mean, you, you get the jest, really. It's absolutely, I mean, it beautifully sure filmed, beautifully shot. It's it's absolutely lovely to listen to, but uh, I, mean, I, I haven't even seen an aeroplane yet. It's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those countries where I've always, me and Gemma always said we would love to go to. And, yeah. you know, seeing videos like this, it just kind of hammers that home that it's yeah. such an ama- looks an amazing country and uh, yeah it yeah. does yeah so i mean w- what do you think do you think it's i mean obviously a couple of weeks ago we, we were covering sort of jokey versions if you like of uh, was it ba's latest one where, where they're they're talking about uh, you know they've got lots of a-list celebrities that are all in it uh, i mean how d- how does the chat room feel about uh, a video of this nature uh, over some of the uh, the the jokey ones we'll uh, we'll play a little bit more of this while we wait to see what the chat room has to say. Mouth and nose. Pull the lateral straps to tighten it and breathe as usual. Secure your mask first before helping others. It is normal for the back to not fully inflate. There are several emergency exits in this aircraft. Take a few moments now to locate your nearest exit, which may be behind you. Count the rows of seats to the closest exit in front and behind you. In the unlikely event of an emergency or when you hear the command, brace, brace. Assume the brace position. If you can reach the seat in front yeah, of you, it's, it's, it's safe to say it's an, it's an interesting video. It is. And there are some interesting comments in the chat room. Yeah, what have we got? Uh, we've got, well, it's kind of, well, Shorty said that the seatbelt's a rope. Okay, um, right. Which is kind of an interesting seatbelt. And uh, uh, we've also got, um, how long just going down? Sh- uh, Shorty Crosgrove said uh, bamboo table. Hmm? <laughs> right. Um, Liz Piper's uh, said that this is quite a weird video and hmm. think it will confuse a lot of people. 
Yeah, that's true. Very true. Uh, it's uh, too distracting from the safety point of view. Brian Coleman has said as well. See, I, now, see, now, I, I feel uh, now. Obviously, I'm comparing this directly with the BA one that we featured a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I actually find this far less distracting because it isn't. You will watch it. You will watch it, and, yeah. <laughs> and and I'm sitting here watching this. I mean, I've seen this twice already. Obviously, when I was editing it and rendering it, and I'm seeing new things. It it it. it, it I think it's. I don't. I don't find it anywhere near as distracting as the the so-called attempts to to be funny. I mean, it's what, not what, joking. No, I mean, how are you? How, what are your thoughts, Nev? Uh, well. It's. I think it's better than the BA one in in some respects. Um, and um, yeah, I think I don't understand. What's all this music going on in the background? Do we, do we need that really? Well, it's a safety, you know, item. Um, yeah. But um, it's trial and error, isn't it? Because you know, actually doing these things for for real, uh, you have to wait for some passenger feedback, don't you? Really, you to do. see, to see yeah, what yeah. to think about it. So uh, yeah, so, yeah, we'll have to see. So, but based on on the short, you know, the the little poll in our in our uh, chat room here, it's. Uh, it's a mixed reaction, I think. I don't know. I, I think mm, it's mainly yeah. negative, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Mark Harvey's just said uh -oh. Matt, on your comment you made earlier. Oh. If you've watched this video twice and are still seeing new things, then it's not getting the message across first time. It's a very good point, <laughs> yes. All right, yes. Well played. Uh, okay. Oh, dear. Okay, you win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. Mike is more focused on the um, Singapore girl in the video. Right. Uh, okay. Well, she's a, she's a very stunning young yeah. lady. Let's, uh, so let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. Let's Indeed. move on. Okay. To the uh, to the next story, uh, and this is yours, Matt. Actually. Is it okay? Right. Uh, so this is on uh, the uh, the Hindustan Times, whatever one of those is. I'm Hin not Hindu. Yeah. Hindu okay. Dan time. I probably do it right. Hindus so anyway, yeah. whichever it is, the H I N. Uh, 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 some it's a newspaper website. from New Delhi, India. It, right. <laughs> okay. Close shave as Delhi Airport. Uh, close shave at Delhi Airport as wings uh, as wings of AI Ethiopian Airlines planes collide. Well, that's very comforting, isn't it? Mm. So it's uh, uh, the Air India aircraft was parked while the Ethiopian Airlines plane was being pushed back by a tractor when the wings of the two planes collided. So an Ethiopian Airlines plane carrying 196 passengers hit a parked Air India aircraft at 2.25am on Wednesday at Delhi Airport. So it was dark. I suppose you could use that as an excuse. The Ethiopian Airlines uh, plane was parked at bay number 87 and was being pushed back by a tractor when the incident took place. The engines of both the aircraft were shut down uh, were shut down. Sorry, when the engine of the Ethiopian's plane's wings crashed into the wing of the Air India plane. The Air India flight was parked at Bay 86, while Ethiopian plane ET-687 was scheduled to fly to Addis Abar at 2.20am. Due to the collision of wings, flight ET-687 was cancelled and 196 passengers were deboarded. All passengers escaped unhurt. Our Boeing 767 aircraft, bearing registration number uh, Echo Tango Alpha Mike Golf, while preparing for a regular Delhi to Addis Abar flight had a minor, mm, that didn't look very minor, a minor ground incident of wingtip collision with Air India A320 aircraft during pushback at Delhi IGI airport. The necessary repair work is being undertaken uh, on the aircraft as per our safety and maintenance procedures, said the spokesman of the Ethiopian airline. Mm. I mean, I mean it's at, a bit of a mess. Looking at the picture, Matt, Matt will pop yep. the picture up on the screen, but looking at yep. the picture there, it, I mean, it, it's a... Uh, 
uh, of, of all the dings I've seen, it's um, yes, it's not a minor it, ding. It's a, is well, it? it's not There's a minor ding, but it, it's it looks like a reasonably repairable ding. What is it they say that that will buff out, won't it? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the, the the winglet obviously are on. I think the, it might uh, need a new winglet. Yeah, yeah. the winglet <laughs> might need it. No, no, might need a bit of a straightening yeah. out. And I, I would certainly want to be very thorough about the condition of the flaps on the Ethiopian <laughs> aeroplane, just yeah. to make sure all is hunky dory. Uh, <laughs> but but you, you, you know, comparing the size, bear in mind of these two aircraft, you know, the seven six is huge, mm. uh, and the A three twenty is a lot smaller. Um, right. But it's obviously a, a ground. Um, it's a case of should have gone to spec savers. I think steady. for the for the ground team. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is that. Any yes. thoughts on that uh, picture there, Mister uh, Bounds? Well, uh, of course, this is always the thing, isn't it? Uh, there's more likely to be a collision on the ground than in the air, and uh, some of these uh, airports have got fairly tight parking mm. situations, and it's uh, with these winglets, and it must be very easy to, to ding yeah. something <laughs> uh, if you haven't got uh, all your wits about you, or maybe yeah. the ground handling crew isn't doing their job properly, or they're distracted. So, uh, or it's dark. These things variables. do tend to happen. We're going to have to now. ask. We're going to have to try and find someone or ask uh, Nick or, or Al or someone in these situations, you know, do you exchange insurance details or you know, is it <laughs> right. a case okay. of um, yeah. who's to blame and... Yeah. and okay. You just pop or, a little note under the windscreen. Plane rage or something. Yeah, well, that's oh, yeah. It. yeah, pop a little note on the windscreen. But it'd be, it'd be, no, it would be interesting to find out who, you know, who's, who's going to... Yeah. Who, kind of how it goes about you know uh, do you put a claim in and i presume the people that are working on the ground must be insured in mm. some way to to do these things as you say because you're talking you know perhaps quite Je a lot of money jen perhaps jennifer would know oh, something would, about that she, would, you know, she does stuff with it yeah, yeah. or yeah. i bet she could find out she could find out yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. so nev the last story is um well, it's a very interesting one in the sense that I can't actually get this yeah, uh, to load at all. I. And I think uh, the URL that I've got is uh, is not working on <clears throat> three of my browsers that I've got up yeah. in front of me. Yeah. So, and I've got the same problem here. I've got the top ten. <laughs> I've got it in front of me, the top ten. Right, okay, we, well, we it's down, it's down oh, a car. down to me, then. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're doing it, mate. Oh, it yeah. looks like it's me. So. Okay, well, there we are, then. It's uh, So, uh, well, let's start the music, then, shall we? <laughs> Off, off you go. After you then. <laughs> <laughs> he says, trying to find the actual yeah. link for it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here we are then, in at number ten. He's trying to find the link, but he can't find it yet. We'll get there in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So let, let's be honest. This last story hasn't worked. So I think what no, we here we go. Here oh. we go. I found it now. Right, I've got it now. Yeah. So this uh, this particular <laughs> top ten is seamless all children is all Absolutely about uh, all about air, the top ten airline fails of 2017. So this is the top ten in, uh, airline fails. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, it's, it's only two minutes long. The music. You you might want to okay. you know carry on. <laughs> so in at number ten. So number ten. <laughs> it is the no leggings, no problem. So in March, a United Airlines gate agent prevented two girls from boarding a flight because of their leggings they were wearing. Witnesses Quite said right the other girl in grey leggings had to change before being allowed onto the flight so that was uh, that was United Airlines there 
Uh, number nine. At number nine, it's the infamous Dr. Doe removal. So this is April 9th at O'Hare International Airport. Please forcibly remove passenger David Doe from United Airlines Flight 3411. That was a hideous incident there for United. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. At number eight. Number eight, it uh, is man reportedly masturbates next to a oh. female flyer. <laughs> oh, dear. This was me. in July. There goes the family uh, friendly rating. <laughs> This is on an American Airlines flight, and crew saw the man allegedly doing said act uh, next to a woman while she was sleeping. Right, okay. Uh, number seven. And number seven, it's asthmatic flyer booted off flight over a cat. So Donna Weagle had a ticket for a flight from Baltimore to Chicago on March the 4th. The asthmatic customer said she spotted another passenger flying with a cat. She notified the agent and said, she, and the agent said that she needed uh, to be seated far from the animal, but the cat ended up just a few rows away, and she was a bit asthmatic. Oh dear, bad news, bad news. Number six. Number six, it is Airline Explore's idea of removing seats for cheap tickets. So in June, Colombian airline Viva Colombia reportedly explored the idea of removing seats on planes to slash the cost of airfares. Seats wouldn't get removed altogether, though the company's CEO said that if passengers opt out of the standing, they'd have to be able to have a bar stool to sit on instead. Oh, that's very good of them. At number five. At number five... It is not loading. Here we go. <laughs> couple tossed from a plane over seating. A couple in Utah were kicked off a Houston flight heading to Costa Rica in April. The two who were uh, intended to get married there reportedly switched seats without permission, and they were told uh, that uh, they, well they had they had to move, otherwise they'd get kicked off the flight. At number four. Number four, plane shoots flames from wing. Oh, I remember this. A yeah. United airplane uh, in Chicago shoots pl uh, flames from its wing in early June. Flight 1738 departed O'Hare in Chicago for Miami. Pilot shut down the engine after it was hit by a bird. Twitter videos showed flames bursting from the right engine and the plane landed back at O'Hare without incident. At number three. Number three, uh, 3,000 miles in the wrong direction. What? In April, a French-speaking United passenger boarded the wrong plane to Paris, and the trip wound up taking her 28 hours. Lucy something or other said the airlines <laughs> failed to notify her of a gate change, and uh, that well, the so announcement she didn't read the boards in the, the announcement anyway, was right. never made in French. Uh, a passenger was sat in her seat on the incorrect flight, but an attendant also scanned the boarding pass, and she sat elsewhere. And uh, well, she flew three thousand miles in the wrong <laughs> direction. And uh, number two, number two, Simon the giant rabbit. In a similar fashion, the giant rabbit died during a United Airlines oh, transit. We're getting a lot of United <laughs> Airlines here. Uh, flight uh, in April. It came just after the forcible removal of Doctor Dayo. The rabbit named. Simon was 10 months old and three oh, three feet long. <laughs> he was en route to London Heathrow, uh, from London Heathrow to Chicago O'Hare. Uh, or Chicago O'Hare. Oh Funny dear. to a giant rabbit. There you go. <laughs> uh, but he was in the cargo hold of a 767. And uh, finally, top of the pops, it is number one. Number one, it's Lulu, the five-year-old Spaniel. On August the 8th, reports surfaced of a Houston family blaming United Airlines for the improper treatment of its dog, Lulu. Uh, the pet uh, pictured passed away in the cargo hold after the plane was delayed on the tarmac for two 
hours. The airline, which according to the U.S. Transportation, uh, Transportation Department is ranked Good. low in yeah. pet care, confirmed a death in a statement to KTRK saying they're deeply saddened by the passing and reached out to help the family. Well, there we are. So that is where we bring the, uh, the commercial section to a close. And somehow it feels very appropriate that United has been mentioned <laughs> about quite a thousand so times. readily <laughs> in that particular article as uh, what's about what, to come up next, next uh, may be relevant, Nev. <laughs> Yes. Well, um, a few weeks ago, I had a very nice chat with uh, our chum, Brian Coleman, uh, from the Airplane Geeks. And uh, we had a good chat about his uh, airline experience. And to be fair to him, uh, we, obviously, we only hear the negative side of things Usually, very often. Yes. But he, he does actually <laughs> give a fair and balanced view. And, and where there is praise to be given, he, he certainly does do so. But, uh, yeah, let's take a listen to this. Hello everyone, it's Nev here again with another in the series of Nev's Passenger Experience. This week I'm speaking with a gentleman who is not known for being shy with his views on air travel. Brian Coleman has spent his fair share of time in commercial aircraft and with over three million miles on United and a million miles on American plus a few thousands with other carriers, he certainly knows his way around the airlines. He is associate producer and contributor to the Airplane Geeks podcast and whether it's a regional aircraft or the heavy metal, Brian is quick to share his opinions on flight experiences. Additionally, he has also written several airline-related travel stories documenting these adventures as well as several air plane reviews. Brian is based on the west coast of the US but sadly not even the Plane Talking UK podcast budget could get me there so we did our interview via Skype instead. I began by asking him about the consistency of service that he has been experiencing on his travels. It's really a mixed bag in my opinion. United has been in the press a lot recently um, with not so good press. And it seems like, well, except for this very last experience, uh, it was all with regional carriers and not with United. And although I seem to love to rag on United, uh, these things were actually regional based. And I don't think they were United's issue. The last one with a woman having to carry her two-year-old child in her lap for the last three three and a half hours of our flight. That's a different story. But uh, I still think that the level of service at United varies tremendously. And I've had some really outstanding flights where people have recognized my status and I think have gone above and beyond either because I'm a great individual or because of the status. And then I've had some fairly stereotypical, less than stellar service. So I still think that there are a bunch of... Um, not only flight attendants, but uh, ground staff that want to do the right thing and try really hard. And then there are others that are just kind of apathetic over the whole thing. Now, so, obviously, you're, you're based on, on the west coast of the U.S. Um, would you say you would get different levels of service if you're flying to New York and you're flying back from New York or, or, or you know, Florida or something like that? Are you finding that the um, different parts of the country are giving you different levels of service depending on, on what you fly with? On United, the only real change is they have a special service between San Francisco and Newark called their PS service, their premium service. And that is in first class or business first, whatever exactly they're calling it these days. They seem to change the name a lot. You definitely get a different um, both hard and soft product with that compared to flying anywhere else in the States. But other than other than 
that particular route. And I believe they just added San Francisco, Boston to that as well. Uh, the level of service is pretty standard. So it's really up to the flight crew that makes the difference. And I've experienced really good service on flights from Los Angeles to San Francisco and Los Angeles to the East Coast. Uh, and I've experienced not so great service as well. So it's kind of all over. Now, you're not a man for holding back, are you? Um, when you uh, <laughs> point out to some of these people that the standard of service that you've received has been less than optimal, should we say, what, what's the reaction that you get? Well, I tend not to do it on the flight itself. So uh, when I experience something bad, and again, it's not only on the flight, because I consider the entire flight experience from booking through check-in at the airport to the actual flight itself. So to me, it's, it's, it's the whole thing. And very rarely will I point out things to the individual at that time. But what I will do is write a letter into uh, the airline. And just because I fly on United so much, they certainly get much more of my uh, writings than, than other airlines. Uh, part of that might be also my background. I do have a, a marketing background, and I believe the feedback's important. And I kind of think for every uh, letter that you get, either good or bad, there's at least 10 others that feel the same way or have experienced something similar. So I definitely believe that it's important to provide feedback. Certainly. And uh, if you were asked, you know, if I said to you, right, Brian, uh, you're going to change your job, you're now going to be cabin brand manager for United or any other airline for that matter. What would be your starting point? What, how, how would you uh, improve the, the problems that they've got at the moment? I think so many of the problems stem from management taking away the power of the individual to make a to make the right decision. And not only that, there have been so many budget cutbacks or cutbacks due to budgetary reasons that just don't make sense. Uh, for example, last week I was on a flight and one of the food choices was a bowl of cereal. Well, no one thought in catering to actually pack spoons. So here you have this wonderful bowl of cereal and no spoon in which to eat it with. And eating cereal with a fork is kind of challenging if you like some milk with your cereal. So the flight attendants were phenomenally apologetic over that. There really wasn't anything that they could do except and this I I was upgraded on this particular segment. They went back into coach and got the plastic bag of cutlery and there was a miniature resemblance of a spoon that they gave me so yeah the problem was solved the flight experience wasn't great but yet the staff did their absolute best to overcome what i think is really a failure of management so you're saying that they're not empowered enough to make those uh snap decisions on the ground in the real situation yeah, and a lot of it to me, I think, also has to do with pay. They have accepted so many pay cuts over the years, especially starting out as a flight attendant. They're, they're nearly sl slave wages. Um, and I really believe that that affects their attitude. And some of the flight attendants that have been around for a really long time 
I mentioned the other day that I was on a on a flight and and it was an ex Pan Am flight attendant who who was uh, serving us and and I really believe that if an emergency situation happened I would have had to help her she was so old and in need of a hip replacement so I think if I were to do anything it would be to to uh, help some of the more senior people um, find career opportunities elsewhere and you know get them into retirement and really improve the hiring process over attitude and the customer service piece that I think has been missing for so long really train the staff on how to provide excellent customer service and again empower them to deal with problems themselves when they come up because I really think that there are a bunch of phenomenally capable individuals that want to do the right thing it's management that has taken these tools away from them certainly now you've been flying a long time for business brian when would you say you saw the the real decline in the passenger service that we, we've just talked about how long ago was that certainly 9-11 was a big event here in the u.s as far as the the decline i can certainly say that one of the best pieces of meat i've ever had in my life was actually on a united flight from los angeles to orlando and that's when they would serve Chateaubriand and they would carve it in the aisle and they, they would ask how well done you wanted your, your meat from, from rare to, to well done. And that was truly spectacular. That was truly um, before 9-11. The rest of the meal was completely forgettable, but the meat, I still say, was one of the best pieces of meat I've ever had in my life. Certainly flying uh, internationally in business class, there's no longer Dom Perignon, there's no longer caviar. These are certainly first world problems that I'm uh, complaining about here or mentioning here, but it's all part of the travel experience, I think. And certainly 9-11, all of those items were put aside. At United, they refer to it as Nutgate, where uh, the previous CEO, Jeff Smizek, uh, wanted to save a few pennies. And instead of having whole nuts served it was cheaper for them to serve broken nuts um there's there's a great story and i can't remember who the ceo of american was but he did his little math exercise and determined that on the salads if they were to remove two of the olives and only serve one olive on the salad that they would save so many millions of dollars a year and that's what they did mm. Well, so, but, <laughs> that that's the whole thing, isn't it? That, that once you get to that stage, it really is a race to the bottom, uh, and there's yes. almost no no recovery from it unless there is a substantial change in in, in management attitude to, towards these kinds of things. Absolutely, and that's where I think United certainly blew it in the United States. Delta started with offering the basic economy program, then American followed, and having only real three major legacy airlines in the US, I think it was a perfect opportunity for United to say, let Spirit, Frontier, Delta and American fight over the leisure traveler. We're going to change the airline to be a truly world class airline. And for example, they could have made every row economy plus give give the passengers two, three extra inches serve food on the on the planes just increase the the quality of service and i think there are enough passengers out there that are willing to pay the difference 
and they could have been the Emirates or Qatar of the United States by providing this world-class product and differentiate themselves from the competition, but they didn't. Instead, they chose to implement basic economy and continue that rapid decline to the bottom, which for me, it's really, really frustrating to see that happen to them. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that I think a lot of airlines are are frightened to offer the premium product uh, at the premium price and make an an exclusivity of it. Um, When you try and do too many things, you tend to dilute the general offering. And um, I think Mm -hmm. if if United had been bold enough to say, right, well, we're not going to compete at the lower level or even in the lower to middle uh, area, we are only going to be at the top end. And that would have given them quite a big differentiator, wouldn't it? I truly believe that they blew it by not implementing that. And I've I've offered my suggestion services to them on numerous occasions, and they still refuse to return my phone call. So interesting. <laughs> now, yeah, no, I, w- I, yeah, I would I, I would love to be a business consultant yeah. for United. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously United are a major member of the Star Alliance Group, and mm-hmm. I think they were one of the founding members probably as well indeed i I just wonder how the other star alliance airlines compared to um, uh, united especially on the um, international routes have you had a chance to fly any of those at all yeah certainly i've flown on on singapore before uh, lufthansa sas all members of the star alliance Um, eva air i i did a a flight review uh, when i flew to taipei I think it's now two years ago, uh, and then flew from Taipei to Hong Kong, and I flew on their their Hello Kitty triple uh, seven, uh, and you know that was that was quite fun aircraft to fly on. And Eva Air just won. I can't remember who did the you know top ten thing, but they just won the uh, best Trans Pacific airline. So I, I don't think United would have any issue at all raising their standards and and bringing themselves to par with the other members of the Star Alliance. Do you think many people feel like you, Brian? I mean, you're, as you say, you, you do go into writing about these things when you have received poor levels of service or, or you're making suggestions. Do you think the general traveling public, either business or leisure, do, do people um, make enough of uh, making a fuss after the event like this, do you think? No, and... Uh, but something that I want to point out is for as many letters that I write or things that I say that are negative about the airline, I think that I try and really be fair and balanced and write positive things as well. And I will write letters when everything has gone perfectly and let people know that they've done a great job. Do I think other business travelers notice these deficiencies? Yes. Do they take the time to write? No, I don't. On the leisure side, I just don't think that they, I I think the expectations are much lower when it comes to someone that does their family vacation uh, once a, every two years. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a different market space. And, and again, I just wish United would let go of the lower end of the market and let the ultra-low-cost carriers or low-cost carriers service that clientele and provide a truly outstanding product for the business class passengers because I, I think that they will pay for it. 
That's right. And I've noticed that uh, there's a lot of uh, 757 uh, aircraft being operated across the Atlantic as, as well fr- from the UK to the US. You know, really quite yeah. long haul stuff. And, you know, the 757 is a great aircraft. Let, let's be honest about it. And I've flown on many of them, but normally on just shuttle routes from London to Edinburgh and back. But uh, across the pond in a, a 757 is a different order of magnitude, isn't it? The Trans-Pacific for the RJ, um, yeah, no, I I absolutely believe that the uh, 757 should not be used on that route. Uh, United used to do a Newark to Hamburg flight, and in the winter, they had something like 80% of their flights have to divert to pick up extra fuel because of the headwinds. So the aircraft just didn't have the range to service that market. And they finally got smart, and they switched over to 767s on that route. But they're having a hard time filling the seats now. And I think part of it's pricing, competition. Uh, part of it's just the public relations that they've gotten over providing an inferior product. You know, if you could pay the same amount and fly on on SAS or Lufthansa, why in the world would you book a flight on on United? Well, obviously, you, you've mentioned already that you like to have a bit of a balance. So where, where there's uh, you know, reward or, or where there's a good service, you, you like to mention it. You like to, to write letters or, or mm-hmm. I don't know whether you do social media about it. But what are the good points? I mean, if, if we talk about United as an example, what, what, apart from the frequent flyer status that you have with them and being part of the Star Alliance, um, do you, are you flying United because it's convenient as well to, to where you live and, and the route network that they have? So I am a member of their uh, lounge called the United Club. So that certainly makes the journey a little bit nicer. Uh, so even when I'm not flying in first class, they still have access to the lounge. And that's certainly a nice benefit. The Star Alliance, I think, is is a great program. And although it's been more difficult to accumulate miles and more difficult to spend those miles, it's still something that I look at as though I'm getting for, for free. And next month, I'm going to be traveling to South Africa for the first time in my life, and I'm going to be flying in first class on that route. So, you know, Los Angeles to Frankfurt to Johannesburg to Cape Town and pretty much back uh, the same route. Yeah, that's that's a really nice benefit, and it's costing me, uh, I don't know, $350 in taxes or so. Mm. So certainly a, a nice benefit to receive from that. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned at the very beginning, you said where service has been lowered, but the price hasn't. I've made the comment many times. I started traveling for business in 1981, and getting the ticket from... New Jersey to Los Angeles was approximately $350. I can still do that today. Mm, okay. And the fact that prices haven't gone up, yes, the density of aircraft have gone up, but the price has not. That, to me, I think is a dysfunction of the airline industry. And I actually think, uh, I know Pretty much everyone's going to disagree with me on this one, but I really think that airlines should raise their prices. And if they raise their prices, they would be able to increase their service and everyone would win as a result of that. That's a great roadmap on which to end, Brian, and uh, must thank you very much indeed for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thank you so much. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head dot com.
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester Wizz Air 6X Client Flight Level 210 Direct to Brooklyn's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on. Aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Up a bit. Well, I'll tell you what, he just excels himself every week. He does, absolutely. So yeah. Nev. And of course... Oh, I, I just asked the questions. It's uh, it's the uh, the, the on, on-air talent uh, that quite right, uh, quite right. tells the story. And uh, no, r- very interesting stories there from Brian. And uh, yeah, really interesting to see, you know, with all the flying he does, that the different sort of experiences that he has. Yeah, no, that's well done there. That's and nice and surprisingly hear. balanced. I was expect. I really was genuinely expecting a bit of a, a slag off fest. If I'm brutally rant. honest, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's alarmingly balanced and covering all manner of airlines. That's so good. Yeah, absolutely. So, well done, Brian. Well done. Brian. Well, thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. But uh, no, any any um, any hints as to what next week's uh, instalment is going to be about? Uh, Nev, sneaky peek. Uh, yes, I, I can probably tell you, actually. I've uh, almost got it up here in front of me. I'm <gasps> just uh, oh. browsed to the appropriate oh. part of the, of the server. And uh, let, let's see who's uh, who's coming up uh, on next week's show. I've got, I've got a sort of a three or four in the, in the bag, as it were. So uh, good, let, good. let's yes. see which one's next. Not that he's stalling for time. It's a bright <laughs> bit of notice about It's the man. Yeah. It's got uh, a warm up. Yes, oh, right, yes, the next one. Uh, 18th of August. This is very interesting. Um, this is a lady called Jackie that I used to work with in Sweden, and oh, wow. she is Ooh. a massive Harp Jet fan. 
Oh, and uh, really? she tells the story oh. about how it has enabled her to travel in all over Europe with her family for, for not very much money. Uh, she, it's not without some criticism, of course, but no, no. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll, you'll find it uh, quite an interesting story, actually. I can't wait. Sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So as we're going to break with the, with the tradition that we normally miss out each right. week, so we <laughs> oh, have got we? <laughs> we have got two mili- or a couple of military news. Right. Okay, well I think I think you, you and Nev should share. Yeah, these me ones. and Nev will so share. There these. we go. Yeah. So if we're all ready, we're going to do the military news. So the first news story in the military segment this week is on the Royal Air Force website. Fantastic website, I will say. <laughs> and the headline is... How very modest of you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we've, got, we've got contacts there, you know. Have you? Right, oh, anyway, yeah. moving on. Anyway, moving on. So the, uh, the headline is Royal Air Force Aeromedical Evacuation Team Deploys with the A400M Atlas on X-Mobility Guardian. So the uh, Royal Air Force Aeromedical Evacuation Team has deployed on, e- on an exercise with the Airbus A400M Atlas for the first time. The medics from Tactical Medical Wing, or TMW, and three Royal Air Force Reserve Squadrons are in the US to participate in Mobility Guardian, the largest exercise of its type involving over 50 transport aircraft, uh, air air refueling aircraft, paratroopers, force protection and aeromed personnel. Flight Lieutenant Scott Fitzgerald, a flight commander on TMW based at RAF Bryce Norton explained the aim of the exercise and he said that the focus for the aeromedical part of the exercise is to simulate the evacuation of up to 300 hospital patients in a humanitarian effort from a displaced area in a war-torn environment. We're doing that work closely with the aeromedical teams from other countries and we're mixing those teams to understand what qualifications, capabilities and skill sets are required in order to function on various aircraft from other countries and that combination of doctor and nurse and medical teams. The scale of the exercise has enabled a medical evacuation process which uh, replicates closely what the RAF personnel have experienced previously on coalition operations. The two separate patient preparation areas have been established over 350 miles apart. The Royal Air Force teams fly out to the humanitarian area to evacuate patients originating from a US Army Royal 2 heli- uh, hospital. Uh, we receive handover, uh, or receive and hand over the casualties and evacuate them back explained uh, Flight Lieutenant Fitzgerald. We sometimes simulate an intra-theater transfer which involves a 40-minute flight or when we have a sea cast on board which is the critical care aspect of our aeromedical team. We simulate three or four hour evacuation as if we were there, uh, for example, returning patients uh, to Birmingham. Uh, the UK aeromedical team on the exercise have brought flight nurses who are emergency qualified, uh, including four reservists from the different uh, squadrons. And the A400M, uh, which can carry up to 66 stretcher patients, was recently used for the first time on a real aeromed mission for operational reasons. Uh, Mobility Guardian is, however, the first time it's been used on exercise in the role. Flight Lieutenant Fitzgerald said all personnel we have brought with us have never flown the A400 uh, previously, so it's new for us. It's a new capability and we can carry, as we said, 66 stretchers on board the A400, which uh, is our aircraft for the future. 
So it's, a, it's, it's good to see some diverse use of the A400M. We see, obviously, we've seen this at uh, the various air shows this year uh, that we've been to. And uh, one of your favourites, I think, Matt, one of the, uh, the A400M. No, 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 you're thinking of the A380. No, 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 the A400M. It was yeah, the, the military A4- one. No, I didn't like that one. Do you like that one? No. Oh, I thought no. you liked that one. No, in fact, it was rudely interrupted. Uh, the, the the one that I wasn't doing, it was the A380, which Al was busy talking me through, was oh, okay. rudely interrupted by the A400M. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. No, no it, uh, it's not. I, I, uh, me, and, uh, me and Pip had a, had a, a, little, a little sit in the flight deck of the A400M Did a few one. years back at Rio. Did one. Was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, this is one of those, uh, these, one of those, as Captain Al would say, grey aircraft that I, oh, I quite like. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the next story. Indeed. Nev? This is from the Lexology.com website and it says that following a near collision between an F-22 stealth fighter and a civilian drone, also known as an unmanned aircraft system or UAS, last week a four-star US Air Force general requested additional authority to combat civilian drone operations threatening USAF facilities and assets. This request highlights the difficulty faced by institutions and businesses wanting to protect critical infrastructure and property whilst not violating federal law. General Mike Holmes of the Air Combat Command told the Air Force Association about two incidents in the same day where unauthorized civilian drones entered airspace over USAF facilities and interfered with operations. In one incident, a drone nearly collided with an F-22 Raptor stealth tactical fighter jet, one of the USAF's most advanced aircraft, costing in excess of $150 million. According to General Holmes, the USAF needs new legal authorities to down such drones or other means to protect them from unlawful incursion. He says that the US USAF's only current option is such a situation to track down the operator and have their license revoked, although he admitted they're hard to get at. According to uh, statute, it's a federal crime to shoot down, jam or otherwise disable any aircraft, including UAS. Only uh, also only the FAA has the authority to enforce regulations related to airspace, although it has made an effort to partner with local and state law enforcement. Recent legislation, the FAA Extension Safety and Security Act of 2016 required the FAA to establish a process to allow owners and operators of critical infrastructure to apply for a no-drone zone in the proximity of such facilities. The FAA is in the process of developing such a system. However, it does not appear that the facilities receiving such designations will have the authority to disable drones violating the protection. As UAS usage continues to expand throughout the United States, the importance of drone defence will increase. Many companies are concerned about protecting their facilities, trade secrets and intellectual property from corporate espionage. Individuals are concerned about privacy in their backyards. Airports are concerned about protecting commercial aviation. And the USAF is even concerned about a potential catastrophic collision between a drone and a fighter jet. So Congress may consider including a provision on drone defence to the current legislation to reauthorise the FAA, which must be passed in the coming months. It's interesting, isn't it, that the FAA doesn't seem to have any jurisdiction uh, over the military um, in in this instance. I'm kind of not surprised. You sort of kind of assume that they're capable of sort of over, you know, I suppose the military overrules any civil 
um, mm. body, I suppose, in in the event of quite quite a lot of things. So, maybe, yeah. I, I, I guess partially, I'm not surprised. Yeah, it just proves a point, though, doesn't it? We always cover stories about commercial aircraft being affected by mm. UAVs and stuff, but it, you know, it does prove a point. It's, it's not just commercial; mm. it's military. Anything, yeah. you know, uh, has the uh, potential to be affected yeah. by um, yeah, by you know these these drones. But um, I'm yet to fly my one. It's still sitting upstairs. Oh, it's been, dr- oh you have a drone. The weather has mm. been just. Um, it hasn't been great. Not very good no, here in the UK, very good so at all, um, I haven't had a chance to fly mine yet. But. Yeah, so only two stories on the old military, uh, but we are going to uh, soften the blow a little bit with that we as, we, as we bring you our penultimate uh, little interview. Now, this is the de Havilland DC-90. DH-9. DH-9. Oh, yeah. that was so close to being right. Yeah, he was nearly <laughs> right. Yeah, this is, <laughs> Never um, mind. Yeah, yeah. This is a, an interview that I, I took with a, mm. a, a massively interesting chap, and... Yeah. Um, the aircraft in question, I think you've got the pictures on yes, to go yep, with the interview. Yep. And the, the, this aircraft, I mean, out of all the aircraft yeah. at, uh, at 1930s or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, at Riyadh this year, this aircraft just stood out for me. Really? Um, you know, you've got the F-35, you've got all these massive yeah. military hardware stuff yeah, yeah. sitting at Riyadh, you know, Hercules's yeah. galaxies. But then your favourite aeroplane is a TriStar L-1011. Yeah, I know. So, so uh, you know, perhaps your interest is more, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, vintage, shall we say. But, but this really <laughs> did stand out for me, so uh, it's, it was a great interview, and uh, yeah, it's coming up right now. So you join me then again here at the Royal International Air Tattoo RAF Fairford and uh, we're back in the media centre here and uh, we've just managed to uh, to grab uh, Guy Black who's uh, got a rather iconic aircraft uh, here. Um, we do we talk all the show uh, time on the show about uh, these fighter jets, these state-of-the-art fighter jets and state-of-the-art aircraft but uh, I think one of the most eye-catching aircraft, I think, Guy, is the aircraft that you've got here. And tell us a bit about the aircraft you've got here uh, at the show. Well, it was made originally in 1918, so it's, it's within a year of being 100 years old. And we found two or three of these in Rajasthan, in India, um, parked in an elephant stable in a fort. And that was in 2000. And... Um, it took a year or two to recover them, and the rest of the time spent we spent restoring it. So the aircraft, when you found them, what kind of condition were these uh, were these airframes when you got them? Well, they were pretty much as left there in 1920. The, the aircraft were part of the imperial gift to uh, well Rajasthan then, because India wasn't didn't exist at the time, um, following World War One, and. Um, I suppose the idea was that this Indian state would start their own air force, but they had no pilots, they weren't given any bombs, and they weren't given any instruction on how to fly the aircraft, nor were they were armed. So they, being a practical type of people, they took the engines out and used them in, in an irrigation scheme, and the aircraft were then stored away. Unfortunately, the termites got there just before us, but um, apart from that, um, they're amazingly original condition with all their original fabric and so on, but uh, there was a lot of termite damage. Uh, what about the controls, obviously, inside the aircraft itself? It's all steam gauges, you know, you've got none of these fancy computers like we do these days. Were all, all the parts, all the bits, all the real, real mechanical parts all there with all the bits you had? Yes, the metalwork was actually in really good condition and um, 
that wasn't really our problem. The, the main problem was because the wood was so degraded and no original drawing survived of this aircraft type, um, it was trying to work out what bits were. So there's a very high replacement of wooden parts and we had to generate drawings ourselves from the remains of all the aircraft until we got enough information to be able to re rebuild the aircrafts. So yes, the, all the controls were there. The Anything made of hardwood was recoverable because termites don't like hardwood. Um, so mahogany, there was the engine bearers which were made of oak um, and um, obviously the metal work was in very good order because it, it had been kept inside since it was new. So it was, a, it was an archaeological discovery. So how long from start to finish, Guy, has it taken you to, to get to the stage you're at now? It's, I would say it's probably 12 continuous years' work. Um, and we don't normally start restoration work on aircraft until we're 100% confident that we can complete it. Uh, and the big problem was lack of engine, because the engines had long since disappeared. Um, and I had to hunt throughout the world for an engine and eventually found one in Canada. Um, and we then discovered that the only other one in existence is in the Science Museum in London. So you couldn't really go and borrow that one then? No, we did, we did need that engine because we couldn't start our engine, which is really embarrassing because we're engine people primarily. And um, so I contacted the Science Museum and said, could I go and dismantle their engine that's on display to examine it? And of course they said, no, you can't dismantle our engine. Uh, and I said, well, excuse me, I don't think it's actually yours. I think it belongs to the people of this country. Um, and I'm one of them. So I own 160 million for that engine. And I would like to exercise my right to examine it for technical research. And they said, well, we've never allowed this before. We'd better go and consult our legal people, which they did. And they came back and said, when would you like to come? So we were allowed and they were extremely good and helpful and we found straight away what the fault was and uh, were able to get the engine running it runs beautifully now so for the benefit of our listeners across the globe what's the full designation of the aircraft itself well it's called a dh9 it was originally designed as a, as a strategic bomber and this was in answer to the zeppelin raids over england by the germans and when they started bombing civilians and towns we thought we'd go and do the same and the idea was to shorten the war so it was our very first strategic bomber um, the de havilland aircraft company designed it but it was actually made by subcontractors they never actually made a single example themselves it's a very good looking aeroplane but the, um, the Achilles heel of it is the very bad engine in it and it was a, a design that was rushed into service. So it's the first aeroplane also that the bombs were contained within the fuselage and it holds nine 20-pound bombs which are dropped vertically out of the fuselage. That was an absolute first. Um, so it's, it's a pioneer in many, many respects. What's the aircraft like to fly, Guy? Well, we haven't flown it yet, so it's going to be rather interesting to, to know. But most First World aeroplanes are rather like a Tiger Moth. And, of course, the Tiger Moth is a de Havilland aircraft, much smaller. And we are anticipating it will fly probably just as badly. I mean, just as well. Sorry, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> Who is going to, who's going to be the, the person to take that first flight? Well, we've got, we've got a very, very experienced um, pilot 
um, and he's the chief part of the Shuttleworth collection and he has helped us before on first flights and you really do need a test pilot, you need someone who can understand what to do if it doesn't work out quite as normal as, as you expect it to but we are not anticipating any problems in flying it. When are you hoping that date to be, is it going to be uh, soon? It'll be in two or three months at maximum. It, it is completely finished, the aircraft. It came here by road because we haven't yet completed the work for the CAA um, side of things. Um, and that's very nearly finished. So probably, yeah, I'd say a couple of months maybe. Depends what problems we get. So for, for listeners who are listening in the UK who can get to, to where the aircraft is based, is there going to be like a, a, a kind of event or anything held for the aircraft uh, when it gets flying? Yes, we are. We're going to plan basically a, a public first flight. It will be after the, the private first flight because, you know, we like to do that at the, at the crack of dawn when there's no one around. Um, and one of the reasons is not just because in case something goes wrong, but because... We, we, the pilot will only fly it when the, when the situation, the weather, the conditions, everything else, he feels absolutely right about it. We don't want him to put under any pressure with having media or the public around. And then we'll have a private first flight. So it's going to be based at the Imperial War Museum at Duxford. So we go. So for anyone who's listening, is there somewhere they can sort of find out more details about the aircraft and, and, and when it's going to fly? Well, um, we have a website, Historic Aircraft Collection, and we operate other aeroplanes from Duxford. We have um, a Spitfire and a Hurricane and a few other things. So the best thing is to follow our website. I believe there's something called Facebook, which I have no idea how to even access, but there's some, something on there about it. And we'll put the notes alongside the, uh, this, this particular interview so people can, can find yeah. out more about that. But a bit about yourself, Guy. How, how did the, the uh, aviation kind of bug uh, take you? Was it uh, an early age? Well, my father was in the RAF during the war. He wanted to fly Spitfires really badly, but they put him on bombers. So he did a little bit of that, and by the time the war finished, he managed to get onto bow fighters. So he had his fighter, but it wasn't the Spitfire. But after the war, he, he, he took me to air shows and things. He said, that's the aeroplane I really wanted to fly, looking at Spitfires. And um, I thought, one day I'd really like to have a Spitfire and show him. You know, if, he's, if he can't fly it, at least his son could. And that's how it really started. And I'm an engineer by training. And so um, uh, an, an engine designer, and uh, I did an apprenticeship and so on in, in engineering. So engineering is, is a sort of what drives me as well, is to try and get back to flight old aeroplanes or old cars or whatever it is it's just as long as it's got an engine in front of it and it's driven by petrol and not paraffin i don't understand how a jet works it's just a bit too modern for me so uh, plans for the future guys are there any sort of big other projects you've got in or is this you know this is the the sort of final project well we've been doing this for nearly 30 years now um we've got about another eight or nine aeroplanes in the queue but i'm not going to be looking for any more to do because I've worked out I've got to be 150 by the time they're going to be finished. So we've got a few quite exciting aeroplanes. We, we really like difficult challenges. And um, 
So most is there any any you can tell us, or are they all sort of secret? Uh, well, there's nothing terribly secret. The next aeroplane is a Fisa Storch, which we have had in flying condition, but we're now turning back into a German specification aircraft. Um, we've also got another German aeroplane we were doing, um, which um, is a, a Messerschmitt. 109E, and so that's the, probably the next exciting aeroplane. But we have another two Hawker biplanes to do and a, and a Yak 1, so there's plenty to do. So, in other words, you're going to be busy for a little while longer then? Yes, certainly a few more, few more weeks of this, yes. Well, I tell you, it's, it is an amazing aircraft to see. Uh, we're going to take some more photos of the aircraft and that to put on with the show notes and uh, everything for this episode. But uh, on behalf of Plane Talking UK, Guy, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. And uh, one last question before we let you go, and it's a question we always ask all our interviewees on the show. Um, and it's if you were given the chance to fly any aircraft, either flying or retired, uh, commercial, military, GA, what would that aircraft of choice be? I would like to find uh, to fly some kind of modern jet fighter. Um, people tell me they're amazing. I don't understand how they work, and I don't want to know, but I'd love to be able to fly one one day. Well, I hope you get that chance soon, Guy. And uh, thank you very much for your time uh, this afternoon at the show. Thank you. Great pleasure. He was such a nice chap to talk to, I will say. Very interesting. Very, Very interesting. interesting. I mean, that, that aircraft was stunning to see, honestly. Yeah. The pictures don't do it justice. Um, yeah, but, uh, uh, well, it looks stunning even on a very grey day because it's fair to say you didn't have the best weather when you were no, in the Admiral, No, the you? weather was fairly uh, appalling yes. that day. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, the link uh, Matt's going to put in the show notes yep. for, for the episode anyway, but for, for the benefit to, uh, of you listening, if you want to tap it into your mm-hmm. smart device now, it's, uh, the his- it's www.historical uh, or historic aircraft collection. Dot ltd.uk that's mm-hmm. historic aircraft collection dot ltd.uk and uh, there's a they've got the site there with all the information on the aircraft including the dh9 that uh, we've just heard of from on that interview very nice very yeah. nice have you seen have you seen this uh, de Havilland before nev no, I haven't actually. Wasn't that a great interview, uh, Carlos? What an interesting chap he is, and uh, yeah, that was that was a really good job actually. It's, it sounds like a uh, very uh, very enthusiastic person as well. And yeah. this is what you find with the people that restore, you know, uh, aircraft. I think time. you've got to be, but, haven't you? Because I mean, yeah. it's just it's just it, it, it yeah. has to be literally a labour of love, doesn't it? Because there's no yeah. way you can just knock I mean, it up it, in the, an. I mean, the guy found them in a in a. You know, in a, in a in desert, a barn. in a barn, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, in yeah. bits, yeah. Um, and to, to get it to look well, especially like when that. the aircraft is so old, though. I mean, it's just like literally, like where do you even begin with a project like yeah. that to actually start rebuilding this? This because you can't exactly go down the part shop. No, it? you can't, and and it's you know, so you're probably having to hand make a lot of these bits, <laughs> yeah. and it's just drawings. Yeah. Even drawings may not be available, like so that you, you know, it's very difficult to piece together what what you've got in front of you, you know, to sort of make it fly. You've almost got to reverse engineer it to to get all the information that you need good morning to tim hitchcock who's joined us at five forty-three in the morning oh from australia wow that's a very silly time of the day <laughs> very very, <laughs> Although very glenn, early glenn, glenn towler is uh, i think because he's in new zealand isn't yeah he? glenn he's, is yeah. he's joined us as well yeah. so uh, and on that note on that note we yes, do absolutely. have 
We do. We have a couple of bits of uh, uh, audio feedback, which we're very excited. Stop messing about, Sorry. Carlos. Uh, we've got a couple of bits of audio feedback to play you. So we're going to play those for you. Uh, we've got the first one is from the lovely Jenny in Rome. Uh, and then we've got the legend that is Glenn Towler. Hi there, this is Jenny in Rome. I said I might send you a very short piece of feedback. And it's a piece of feedback about Alitalia, which, as you know, is under extraordinary administration at the moment, waiting to see if the company is going to survive or not. Well, today, um, the Italian Civil Aviation Authority has actually renewed their flight license. And uh, according to the Medi Telegraph, that's the Mediterranean Telegraph, an online shipping and international transport uh, newspaper. Uh, they say it's a sigh of relief for Alitalia because it means that actually things are going much better than had been hoped for. Um, so in the meantime, other companies are expressing interest in, in coming on board and buying out all or part of Alitalia. And they've got about a month left the various companies to request access to the data room presumably that's where they get all the information can look at all the books and then they have to make binding offers in early October however they said that in actual fact according to the cash data on the company um, it hasn't actually had to use the 600 million euros it was loaned by the government and has has more money in the bank actually since it's filling its airplanes at the moment so that's good news um, and so we're just all waiting to see um, it says that there are more tickets now being purchased in advance for flights and the revenue situation in July was up 3% and they're trying to control their costs through a wage guarantee fund and about 20 managers have been persuaded to leave and they've managed to renegotiate. They had hedging contracts for fuel and leasing. I think they'd agreed to pay a certain sum for fuel over the next few years, which was way above the actual cost if you just bought it from the pump today. So they've managed to renegotiate that. So they're obviously seriously trying to get things under control. I know that Ryanair is, is one of the bidders and they're, they're very keen and that, that could be interesting. So we just have to wait and see. Well, anyway, that's all really. And uh, again, congratulations for a show that just gets better and better and better. Bye for now. Just want to say happy birthday, Carlos. It's Glenn here from New Zealand with some feedback about Oshkosh. Uh, what a great year. Fantastic year. I've been there going to six years in a row now. And this year was by far the best year I've ever been there. Uh, we're just such a great community here on the APG slash Plane Talking UK slash Airline Airplane Geeks. Uh, yeah, they're not, I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, really, really good. But I thought the air show was really good too. I mean, there were lots and lots of so many good, interesting looking aircraft this year. Some real old vintage stuff, a lot of military stuff. But it really was. But yeah, the, the military side was just quite amazing this year. I think the uh, US Air Force are really trying to recruit more people to join the Air Force, obviously short of pilots and, and, and all trades, probably, I'm sure. But anyway, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, say that about Oshkosh and um, 
hope you guys actually make it to Oshkosh one, one year, maybe next year. It was also, also great to see um, Steve Fisher too from Plain Crazy Down Under. Uh, I see you. No, anyway, just wanted to say a big, sh- big hello to all the people that I met. I know a lot of people who listen to, a- who listen to APG also listen to Plain Talking UK. So anyway, Glenn out. Carlos's 41st birthday greeting in 3, 2, 1. As I've mentioned before, there are many people in my life who were born during the first two weeks of August. Close friends, important acquaintances, but growing up, the most significant was my grandpa Max and my favorite cousin, Mitchell. Those family birthdays were always fun with my grandfather, my dad's dad, from one side of the family, and my cousin my mother's sister's son from the other side. We would all get together and have a cookout or some kind of party and cake. The whole family, both sides would be there and all would have a great time. I must say I was very lucky growing up as both my mother's and father's family got along and became good friends so those birthday parties were indeed very special. Well, Grandpa Max passed away in 1971 and Mitchell went off to Vietnam shortly thereafter. He came back a changed man, and we weren't in touch very often until much later in our lives. These days, while distanced geographically by some 1,500 miles of the east coast of the USA, him being in South Florida and me in southern Maine, we still talk more or less weekly. In fact, we even had another mutual birthday party a few years back when he turned 60 and I turned 55. That was also the last time the three sisters, my mom Harriet, his mom, my Aunt Martha, and their younger sister, my Aunt Jerry, were able to visit together before Aunt Martha passed. It was a lot of fun. Remind me to tell you what we learned from Aunt Jerry at that party. A fun secret she'd been keeping for close to 60 years. What a hoot! Well, many people say you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Technically, that may be true, but I found that some of my favorite family members are family I've chosen, or maybe chose me. Although I think my genetic brothers may be surprised, over the past year, i found I have a new nephew who's now 41 years old. And not just any kind of nephew, but the best kind, the chosen kind. And the best part? Well, we chose each other. There are a lot of wonderful things I can say about my new nephew. But one of the magical things is now I have another family member to celebrate a birthday with. We're less than a week apart. So my new nephew, Carlos, Happy birthday. Wings over Pittsburgh 2017 seems like ages ago, and Farnborough 2018 seems like ages to come. But I look forward to seeing you again, my chosen nephew. Maybe one year, we'll figure out a way to celebrate our birthdays together, both at the same time and in the same place. So from here in Portland, Maine, all the best to you, my family and friend. Happy birthday, nephew Carlos, and many, many more. From your main man, Uncle Micah. Well, that was a bit of a uh, surprise. Thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Yeah, you weren't uh, expecting that, were you? No, no I wasn't surprise. expecting that. No, thank you, Micah. 
Yeah. As always. Yes, um, yes. And, and well done for bashing on with a very bad cold there. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you did sound yeah, a bit cold. Yeah, you did very well yeah. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody said, was it, was it slow? It play, being played a bit slow? No, bless him. He's got, uh, he had a very bad cold when he did that. So thank you very much, oh, Mike. That was really nice, Micah. Yeah, I'm going to have to true. listen back to that again. You are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now that the shock has uh, settled down. Yes, absolutely. Bloody Mike, he always makes me... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tear to my <laughs> anyway, back to uh, to <sighs> the job at hand. I'm anyway. afraid to say, uh, and uh, as we wrap things up, just really, just to say, don't forget, uh, we're doing a live show next week on Sunday. So we're doing a live yes. show from Sunday, but it's a very special one because we're going to be broadcasting again live uh, this time from the Seething Air Show. So we're going to be yeah, at the Seething Air Show. Yes, Sunday right. the twentieth. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. If you add, um, yeah, indeed, yeah, it's <laughs> Sunday the twentieth. That is the right day, isn't it? Yeah, it's you're, 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 yeah. 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 I'm, all, I'm all a fluster here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so the Seething Air Day is on the 20th of August. Uh, I'm not sure what time the doors open. Do we know what time uh, the uh, the gates open? But uh, it's uh, £15 for adults to get in, and uh, people 16 and under is... or No, it says under 16. Sorry, I better get that right. Under 16s is free. free. And, uh, yeah, take yourself to www.seething-airfield. So, seething, S-E-E-T-H-I-N-G dash airfield.co.uk forward slash air day 2017 and then that will bring up um their actual page but uh yeah so it's uh it's uh we're, nice we're there see. next year be nice to see some listeners out if you i mean if yep. there is anyone who is uh, in this neck of the woods i know we are in the yeah in the in the b end of nowhere here yeah. in the uk <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, be but great it is to a see. lovely lovely yeah. air show there's some great stuff that's been booked already we've got uh the wildcats they're going to be there we've got the yak 52 turning up a yak 3 uh navion uh we've got a fennec uh long ez um we've got the cub landing on a trailer that was pretty amazing otto the helicopter which is a very adorable <laughs> little helicopter uh we've got a fournier we've got a gyro air display uh we've got captain neville's flying circus that sounds fascinating looking forward to seeing that and then we've got an me 108 that is also Cap- you say captain neville's flying okay, it says captain oh, neville's did, flight did, <laughs> did you yeah, you've kept that one quiet no, I, guess I, I know you're, I know oh, you're coming in, Nev, but <laughs> indeed so yes actually the, looking looking ahead <laughs> Yeah. To next Sunday's weather. Oh, oh no! Why? Why? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying anything. It's um, it's there, look, there. Oh dear! Right. Okay. Anyway. Pretend that's it. No, it's going to be lovely. It's going to be really, it's incredibly be hot, hot next sunny. Sunday. It's going to be a typical British yeah. summer's day by the sound of it. So, uh, yeah, bring your umbrella. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but on on a brighter note, the good news is that the entire team will be there. So yeah, yes, Nev is, is yeah, travelling down. Yep. And uh, yeah, he's going to be staying here at uh, at PTUK Towers with us next week. Indeed, and, and uh, uh, staying in boring old South End Road Towers, uh, in my case, <laughs> is uh, is uh, the the guy who's been doing all the editing for me while I've got no um, no ability to do so. And that is uh, Owen will hopefully be there as well, awesome. schedules permitting. And uh, also, actually, hopefully, we should have a, a cameraman next uh, yes, Sunday at Seething as well. Very exciting! Yeah, yes. a certain Mr. listener, Mister Mr. Carl Lake, yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, from Norwich yeah, International Airport. Absolutely. He's going to come and be our cameraman for the yeah. day, which would be good. Going to be good. Yeah. So that is where we are going to bring uh, episode one seven seven to a close. How how are you? How are you? Are you uh, holding in there? Yes, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a long week uh, this week. Oh, uh, no. I've been spending most of it up in Staffordshire, and I should be there most of next week as well with a uh, the well-known um, uh, excavator manufacturer. Right. Yes, okay, <laughs> whose vehicles vaguely resemble yours in colour. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do by the usual means. Take yourself to www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, there you can find a fascinating page like what I'm putting up on the YouTube feed here, where you can meet the team. And oh, look, down the bottom there, there's uh, Nev. There's Nev. There is the legend that is Nev, nestling nicely underneath Pilot Pip. Well, what a place to be, eh? <laughs> Not something which I'd ever thought no, I'd ever no. hear someone say. Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> and also, uh, it's twitter.com. Uh, our handle there is at UK. It's facebook.com forward slash UK. Those are our social media feeds. And just like uh, our two lovely listeners who emailed some details into us earlier uh, to get audio feedback into the show or just yes, uh, written send stuff, that in. it is podcast at PlainTalkingUK.com. Mm. And we've got some great feedback, actually, from Miriana, which, unfortunately, uh, I'm still waiting to have permission from Pip from to play uh, as per the email. So I, we did get your email, uh, Miriana. I'm just yes. waiting for clearance before we can uh, do what you mentioned in the uh, in the uh, email. So we have leave to that with us. We have to ask permission. <laughs> Even though it's Pip, we still have to ask permission. Um, um, so, yes, as soon as I've got clearance, then we will... Uh, clearance, we will, clearance? Yeah, indeed. We, we will uh, do what's sort of suggested. But that is where we bring today's show to a close. And a big thanks to everyone who's wished me a happy birthday for tomorrow. Yes. Uh, yes, I will be 21 yeah. again. 21 plus VAT. Plus VAT. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, very nice indeed for the uh, feedback yeah. we've had. But, uh, no, that is where we are going to bring the show to a close. A massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat room. Loads and loads of people in the chat room tonight. Thanks again to all you guys for joining us. And there's been some quite interesting chats going on in the chat there room has, tonight. Yeah. Not all about uh, food for about a change. food. Yeah. Which is there great, has yeah. been none of There was a food. brief mention of olives earlier on. Oh, right. but that, well, that that's was not it. really a food. Yeah, no, that's good. That's not really that a, food. a food. Olives are a proper food. <laughs> oh, okay. That's Just because you're a heathen. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, good news, Nev. It's uh, Chan time this time next week. So Woo-hoo! all good. Yeah. All good. Yes, looking forward to that. Oh. Jen- Jenny's yeah. just made it into the chat room. Look, Jennifer Parkinson's has made it in at ten Aww. minutes before the end, and she's missed Aww. her audio feedback. She's probably done. You that missed your feedback, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. anyway, that's it, guys. Uh, we will see you on Sunday. So it's a different next time. Sunday. Next Sunday. Uh, next I don't know what Sunday. time. We're d- when are we going to do this? Because the flying starts at uh, one-ish, I think, doesn't it? If memory serves. We'll, we'll be one, live, so we'll- sort of in. Yeah, after 10 so watch social not media technically the show live yes absolutely we'll live. we will be live from 10 yeah. doing our show uh, and then the air show will sort of start. no we'll be live we'll from be live. 10 thank okay. you very much have very satellite day. and everything yeah I could say I'm going to have like literally the A team because I've got the legend that is Nev oh, no. on site <laughs> I mean there's no way that it won't be ready for 10am between him well, and Owen we'll uh, have it yeah, nailed let's not jump too far <laughs> <laughs> no okay alright so yes join us if you can next Sunday that's Sunday the 20th um for our live show where we're aiming I think to start at 10am for our actual show Uh, and then after our show is finished we will then be following the air show as normal but if you can make it please do it'd be great to see you come and see us on our stand we're right near the um, the broadcast tower uh, where they do the where they do the um, uh, commentary Commentary, so uh, yeah if you can please 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 come and see us at Seething Air Show even if it costs you five million pounds to get a flight here fly here and see us no no no. (laughs) anyway that's it guys take care we'll see you all next week bye bye everyone see you. Bye. Woo.